0: Welcome back to the Americana. I'm the host, Keith Johnson. Thank you for listening in. I appreciate you being here. The episode you're listening to is about 9-11. And what I'm going to discuss is basically my opinions supported by some facts. Now, we all have our own conspiracy theories of one thing or another. But one thing that we both share, being those types of people, oftentimes we are right about more than what we're given credit for. I want to start by saying, although we often take the easy road to conclusions, sometimes out of ease of pain, sometimes it's easier to get over a tragedy with retaliation, and sometimes we just plain don't know shit about what we think about what we know. From the tragedy that took place on September eleventh, two 2001, well, here is some of what I learned from that day. I was a little hesitant talking about this controversial subject on a podcast, September eleventh, two 2001, and because so much time has passed also. However, there are a lot of people still feeling the loss of that day, so here we go. From that day, the tragedy that took place in New York, you often hear people say, never forget. Well, I hear this. And when I hear it, I, I often wonder, do these people even have any idea of what really happened that day? I guess to a certain extent, none of us really do. How can we say never forget? something we really never understood in the first place some could only explain details of watching the Sun simply to say that it was bright do we just plainly say never forget something never happened well that sounds dumb so we say never forget maybe that sounds better makes you feel warm well, I don't feel warm. I don't want to be comfortable. I, wanna, I kinda want to, I kind of want the comfort that comes from the truth. But something happened on that day, nine eleven, that got overlooked by a lot of people. Almost nobody talks about it, but I caught it. Something on the news that day, when I heard it, I literally said, wait, what? What the fuck? What did that reporter just say? Like, I couldn't believe what I heard, not a lot of people talked about it, but uh made me think that a lot of people didn't catch it. Um, you know, it kind of got swept under the rug really quick, and I never heard anyone ask me about it or even talk about it when I mentioned it. People didn't seem faced by it. Well, we'll get to exactly what that was soon. But first, there was a lot of other weird shit that set off some red flags for me that people should have been aware of that day as well. But not including the quasi-investigations conducted by our government that began to follow after the fact. When something happens, we immediately go on the attack. Why do we do this in our country without thinking? Or was it? Retaliating is something I would have done in my twenties, right? If somebody would have said something to me wrong at a bar just just underthought, unintelligent, twitch reactory like behavior that is penal system worthy. Not something we would expect from our government funded tax dollars are representatives of this country, right? Should have done. I've learned in my older years to slow down and analyze things a bit more since I have, I often reflect on things that we can still recover in memory from the past and ponder them. The incident that took place in New York City on nine eleven was a horrific tragedy, but I think was more of a tragedy what I think was more of a tragedy was the fact that some premeditated things happened that day that should have raised some serious red flags and were being either completely overlooked or ignored by society oftentimes choosing to be left in the dark imagine this if you owned a business worth a million dollars I know that's not much that's why I'm using this example Now, we took that business and we put insurance on it. There were two buildings your business had, side by side, being close to each other. The insurance company wanted to incorporate both of your buildings into one policy. And you argue with them and you make sure that they split the policies into separate, covering each individual building in case something happens to each one individually. Not only that, But you make sure that the verbiage is written into the blanket coverage verbatim to cover terrorist attacks. What a weird thing to specify. The following day, both buildings burned to the ground. Now, if this is you or I, we would have been under a serious investigation tied to whatever happened to these buildings. Probably went to prison. But if you're Larry Silverstein, the leaseholder of the World Trade Center at the time of the attacks, You might just collect double, yeah, double of what the buildings were actually valued at. See, Larry purchased specifically terrorist insurance for those buildings and split those policies up into two separate coverages. And it wasn't a day prior. It was two months prior. Some would say, well, that makes them less of a coincidence because I know a lot of people heard that it was the day after. It was just the day before it happened, which isn't true. And in my investigative mind, I would say, well, it sounds like planning to me, being two months out. You know, George Carlin said it best when he said, these folks are in a club, and you and I aren't a member. You know, those are extremely true words. You need to remember that when it comes to this country. Another really weird aspect of this event was things like, Investing in, and in, investors buying put options on stocks. I thought that was really, really weird to hear that shit. You may be wondering, well, what's a put option on a stock? Well, it's a safety net for a stock that that might be failing. and Something happens you know, when you're you're able to put a put option on it. So it's kind of like a it's kind of like insurance, essentially, right on a stock you're buying and these put options these put options were put and purchased on united and united airlines stock coincidentally or fortuitously these were the airlines that were used in the incident on 9/11 i use the word incident as still not sure at all what to call it a terrorist attack a planned attack a politically motivated agenda i can't seem to wrap my head around the details of this insane puzzle that just doesn't come together imagine if you will a plane crash now imagine there was one that left behind virtually zero debris no rims wheels or black box that was made virtually indestructible by the way for the reason of the recovery and knowledge of what incident led to a misinfortunate a misunfortunate event the so-called black box located on the Boeing 757-223 that should have been recovered at the Pentagon. They say actually now was recovered. They say, unfortunately, the CVR was too badly damaged by the fire. So it just got swept under the rug and fairly dismissive little thing. I hear CVR and I went, hmm. Why would they not just tell you the CVR stands for Cockpit Voice Recorder? Because you might think next, if you're an investigative mind. Where would they back that data up at? Well, in the electronic flight recorder, or black box, for shorter verbiage, which should have had a very high fire rating. They are located in the back of a plane, so usually it will take less damage. What's interesting about this is they're saying the CVR, the cockpit voice recorder, was damaged by the crash. Well, we get that the cockpit itself was damaged as it's located in the front of the plane. However, the recording device for the CVR is located in the back where all the data is preserved for investigations. Now a little more knowledge on the EFR or the electronic flight recorder so you can understand why I'm talking about this in the first place and See, the EFR box, they are built to withstand 35 or 3,400 times the force of gravity, so G-force. They are also designed to withstand 2,000 degrees for over an hour. Some would say, well, that fire burned for multiple days, so it was well over an hour. Well, That may been. Well, if that's so, did it burn at 2,000 degrees for days? Of course not. It smoldered for days. The main fire was put out pretty fast. And let's say, let's say it wasn't. Why didn't the rest of the Pentagon not collapse like Tower 7, since buildings seem to fall so quick around fire when the government's involved, buildings just fucking collapse? I mean, you can't have it both ways. This is where the government starts making mistakes. They say, buildings fall under extreme heat, but not this building. It's like the drunk uncle telling a story at a family gathering. Get your story straight. But as you can see, they don't have to because it's getting bought by everyone. Well, maybe not by me, possibly not by you. But here's some history on the black box, or EFR, electronic flight recorder, that's interesting. Did you know that the black boxes, they're, you know, nowadays, they're not even black? So if it isn't black, why do they call it the black box? The term black box was a phrase used during World War II linked to the, to the development of radar and electronic navigation aids in British and Allied combat aircraft. These devices developed under much secrecy, were encased in a non-reflective black box or housing. Others have said that the term black box is still fitting for today because when a black box is found in an incident site, it is typically recovered, and it is covered in ash, and it's burnt, therefore leaving it black. Now, if it's typically covered in ash and charred, the majority of time being engulfed in fires... Here's my question to you. Why is it only when an incident involving or possibly involving foul play by our government do these things come up non-functioning? Ponder that. If you can sit down and analyze data, you can sit down and analyze data for days. That doesn't add up or make sense surrounding 9-11. Just like the WMDs we just didn't seem to find in the Middle East that we based an entire war on. But I'll leave you with this one thing about that. This is the data that I heard. And once I heard it, I didn't need to hear anything else ever again about 9-11 at all that made me wonder was it planned. Or did somebody else have any fingers in it that were shady? No matter what anyone could possibly say, would never change my mind again. While I was sitting watching the news as the events were unfolding September 11, 2001, I personally heard on a live n- news broadcast filming from location, streaming through our local news networks, they were already on site and had someone that was relaying information from ground zero to our local news networks they were live in a comment, and I heard this news reporter when asked about nearby buildings, Tower 7 to be specific, and were they damaged. The reporter quoted, yeah, they, they said building, the buildings were so badly damaged that it didn't even look like it. They said the buildings were damaged, but it didn't look like it to them, to him. They said they had to pull Tower 7. It was too badly damaged, and they were going to pull it. Now, this was the terminology spoken by someone with the knowledge of taking down buildings. This is who made the statement to the reporter, somebody with that knowledge. So I enjoy watching documentaries from time to time. I'm open-minded to investigations, being flawed, right? I look for it. And I find when I try to look at it in this sense, I try to find the flaws, you end up seeing the truth more clearly. It was, an inter- it, it was interesting to me that one of New York's top leading demolition experts I listened to had said that there was absolutely no way that a building could have come down like that without being demoed. This is a professional and explosives and demolition here being interviewed, a trusted top demolition expert in New York City, as there is only a handful of these qualified people in New York. He mentioned shape charges that were found during the cleanup at Ground Zero below Tower 7. I don't question whether or not they had this building ready to to be taken down on 9-11, as I know they did by the evidence presented by what I consider my own personal investigation into it. I've seen enough details to know there was some shady shit. But here's an interesting question for you. If buildings are so easy to take down by fire, why do they hire demolition experts to take buildings, to take them down with explosives when it's extremely, much more dangerous? Instead of just setting one floor on fire like they did or like like they would like us to believe with Tower Seven. Well I'll answer that for you because it doesn't work. I built bridges as a journeyman iron worker for eleven years, welding and fitting steel. I've got a lot of I got a lot of steel experience, especially with structural. These videos they put on YouTube trying to explain how fire took down tower seven and how a fire can take down structural steel buildings. We're talking four-inch steel I-beams, sometimes larger, wrapped in fire retardant and covered in drywall most oftentimes, not the shed in your backyard that wouldn't stand for five minutes, but large gauge structural steel beams built to withstand some serious shit. But the one thing it won't withstand is a shape charge designed to remove steel, presented by demolition experts. Now these copper-shaped charges designed to melt steel then explode, blowing the beams off their axis. And these are what they found at ground zero below Tower 7. So don't fucking tell me that there was a small fire on floor number 8 and a water main broke in the lower level and the sprinklers didn't go off. And this is what they would like you to believe? Get the fuck out of here. I don't believe that shit for a minute. This is from an actual YouTube video trying to explain this stupid shit. This Indian engineer explaining can't even look at the camera when he's explaining the shit. Keeps looking down. That motherfucker, you gotta look into people's eyes when they talk to you. Get good at it. One day you'll learn, you'll see. You'll see their souls when you get good at it. If someone can't look you in the face, there's a reason. They can't look you in the eyes. During my time in, in investigative work, we took some Leonard and Zawalski training that the FBI uses to detect lies and fraudulent behavior. It's the art of interrogation and it interviews. It was a great learning device. It really helps to see through people's bullshit and might be partly responsible of why I dig in further on shit that I do because I'm like, man, that shit just doesn't sound right. You know, bullshit. It just comes. You detect it quicker. On a quick side note, if you if you go on YouTube any time and you find that video segment I was referring to about that reporter talking about Tower Seven, if you do find it, email it to me at theamericanachat at gmail dot com. Email me the link. Um, man, I, I've searched for this and I cannot find it. It seems like it's been removed. Which is another thing to ask yourself: if it is, why why would they remove something like this? If it doesn't make sense, question it. Because the only reason to remove something like that is because what an interesting way to start researching it a little bit more. You start finding these key little phrases and key things that were said. Now let's just scratch that because it just doesn't sound good. Let's let's get rid of it. Let's delete it. <laughs> yeah, Not like they haven't done that before. So, wrapping things up here, something to take away from this, Again, we will never truly know other than something just doesn't feel right about 9-11. People question it for a reason. Whether you do or someone you know does, you're going to know somebody that does if you don't. Don't ever lose that feeling of questioning something that just doesn't feel right, whether it's about this or anything in life. The constant questioning you have for things is a deeper-rooted, built-in by your ancestors' warning system. Believe me, not everyone has it. And the ones that don't, those folks back then would be, you know, they wouldn't be here 10,000 years ago. They'd be dead. Long ago, searching between rocks for a vaccine. But this is what's kept you and your loved ones alive for most of your life, including your ancestors when they were alive. This is what's kept him alive for so many years. You, your parents, their parents. They didn't have some controlled entity like the government or media telling them what to believe. Don't become complacent. And don't get too trustworthy. And you could always be like me and question everything. Thank you again for listening in. I hope you keep following along to the next episode where we discuss Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and some of the impacts it's made in my life. Um, I'm a second-degree black belt and I've been doing Jiu-Jitsu for 30 years-ish and I've learned a lot over the years, so I share some of the insights and knowledge that I've acquired along my, my path to where I'm at. So... Follow along to the next episode. And uh, again, I appreciate you being here. I am I'm Keith Johnson, and uh, I'm the host. And this is The Americana.